Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy who is so self-disciplined we still record this podcast. (laughs) And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And we're going to talk about the spiritual principle of self-discipline, which I can already tell you I probably do not believe in. (laughs) Because it just seems weird. And I think you made a good point about like self... So spiritual principles to me are like kind of like God-given or universe-given tools. It's almost like we draw on this worldly energy in order to be able to do them. And I guess, uh, you know, looking at your face right now, I'm like, yeah, that's not Billy's belief. Yeah. But Now I'm just trying to follow along with you. That's all. Yeah. So like, you know, if I, if I want more humility, you know, I send that message out to the world, whether that's praying for it or whether, you know, I think your version is more like the prayer puts the intention out into your mind more often. So you see the opportunities to practice it more. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah. So they're, they're kind of like, these things that we have to ask for in some way, shape, or form, if that's tricking our brains or if that's because there's God, whatever. <laughs> right. But like self-discipline literally has the word self in it as if it's something I have to train my body or brain to do for me. And that does not sound like the same as the rest of them. Yeah. I. It's difficult to look at self-discipline as a spiritual principle, you know? I, and I, I was reading a little bit about it and I guess the idea that seemed to work best for me as far as incorporating it in as a spiritual principle is that the way they described it in this reading was it's like a culmination of some other spiritual principles give us self-discipline so like once we have like uh developed our morality once we're practicing honesty and trust and integrity you know those all those together culminate into a person that is self-disciplined because we're not hmm. just running on impulses. We're not just acting any old way that we want. You know, we can refrain from reckless or dangerous behavior. So in that, I could kind of see like, okay, I, I it's like a, that self-discipline is a culmination of practicing a, a bunch of other spiritual principles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I don't I, I tell you the first problem I had, so I went to look up for it and I was looking for like, you know, I'm always trying to find the science behind it. Like, what does science tell us? Is there research that says that this is actually a thing or you can improve it or anything? And I, I struggled to find that because even in the initial like searching for that kind of research, there is a huge gap between people's definitions of self-discipline, self-control and willpower. And like trying to figure out if they're the same, if they're different. Gosh, yeah, I never even thought of that. <laughs> yes, and that's exactly what wow. came up in the search. I was like, "Fuck!" Like, what's uh, yeah, the difference how is that between different than willpower, Oof. right, or self control? Like, is that the same? I don't. And so I got a whole lot of different versions of that. So maybe that's just where we end up at, like trying to figure out if self discipline is even different than these other things, and if it is, how? Huh? Yeah, that's interesting. 
I hadn't thought much about that, so that's a whole new idea yeah. now that's rattling no, around in my it. brain. I get it. So, well, maybe going through some of these different um, takes on it will help us kind of explore it more. Okay. So the original definition of self-discipline, if you just go to the dictionary, is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. Also, the ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite temptations to abandon it. So this would, I guess, you know, I feel like the easiest example is like the the nutrition plan diet kind of idea, right? Like my plan is that I want to get a little healthier for my life. And so I go home and I have the options of salad or chocolate. Which one am I? You know what I mean? Like avoiding the chocolate is the self-discipline of like I can put off the temptation of chocolate because I have a goal in mind. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the way I look at most of those, like the gym or eating or, you know, financial stuff. Like that's where that concept comes up the most, I guess. Not talking to the female that's not your wife in <laughs> yeah, hopes right. that something arises. Right. right, right. Like just this idea of just avoiding temptation or not having the overwhelming obsession to give in to temptation, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm trying to think back now and I guess in my active using phase like that i felt like if i thought that shit i owed it to myself to do it mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. if i <laughs> if i was dating someone and i saw another girl that i liked it wasn't like oh i'm in a relationship it was like she might be the one <laughs> i might be with this wrong one over here and she might be the one or it would just be well this one's here now and this could be a mm -hmm. lot of fun so i'm just gonna do that and We'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't Jen's like a hippie? Isn't there a song about that? Isn't she into that? <laughs> Love the one you're with or something? Like, <laughs> she'll be all right. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking back. You saying in your active addiction, and I'm like, fuck. In my active recovery, that was <laughs> yeah. part of my life. Well, like, yeah. got it. And and I really think I remember my my therapist with like, I guess it was nine or ten years clean, and her telling me. You know, because I would get these obsessions to, to whatever it was, you know, and she would say, what do you think's going to really happen if you don't? Do you think you're going to die? And I know that sounds ridiculous to the rational mind, because obviously I was not going to die if I didn't send a text message or something like that. Right. But it felt like that in my body. Yeah. And it was the practice of like her kind of challenging me of like, do you really think you're going to die, motherfucker? Right. Like it, I was like, ooh, no, I'm definitely not going to yeah. die. I'm going to do this. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not that I would die, but that that could be like the opportunity or thing that my fucking life had been waiting for up to that moment. Right, you know and I miss I mean? it. And yeah, I miss, yeah that no. job, that girl, that con whatever thing right. that it was that you know it was like this is the thing that's gonna make me finally happy or whole or fulfilled or whatever. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, and that was actually the beginning of my practice of meditation was like, I need to find a way to sit still with this obsessive compulsive idea that I am just going to run with whatever thought comes to mind <laughs> right. that feels good. Right. Um, so yeah, so that was the, the self-discipline. So I think we're kind of like, yeah, okay, that makes mm -hmm. sense. But how, how is that definition different from willpower? Yeah, that's where I, I'm a little stuck. Well, okay, so I, I kind of do like, so another definition, willpower definition is control exerted to do something or restrain impulses. So it's almost like to me, if I had to try to separate these, self-discipline is the the overall practice 
of like doing the thing that is going to be good for me later versus what feels good now. Mm. And willpower is like the actual resource the or energy I use doing, in the right? moment. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. It's like I draw on yeah, willpower to maintain my self-discipline or something. Yeah. But then self-control comes in and it fucks me off. <laughs> so self-control, the ability to control oneself, in particular, one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. That sounds exactly like self-discipline. Yeah, those two sound the same to me, I would <laughs> say. I, I, I mean, to me personally, I would use them interchangeably. Self-control or self-discipline. Self-discipline just sounds tougher. <laughs> it, it sounds more like programmed yeah you know what i mean self-control just sounds like some shit you did on your own self-discipline sounds like you were either in the military or you went to a buddhist right. convent for a while right. or like you were literally in somewhere that yeah. taught you this huh so a couple of the the different websites that decide to differentiate what i was that? thinking they use self-discipline in martial arts a lot yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i was thinking it's like you have to go somewhere and study for a year to right. get self-discipline some, somebody with a robe's got to teach you yeah about that. yeah so on the Forbes website, which I'm not a huge fan of Forbes, not because I hate Forbes or anything, but just because a lot of times when I try to read their articles, they tell me I can't. So it gets on my nerves. <laughs> right. You got to pay. Yeah. Um, so like they Chevy's say. better. Yeah. <laughs> they say self-control and willpower are different. Self-control refers to managing your behavior to achieve goals, improve positive outcomes, and avoid negative consequences, whereas willpower is the ability to resist short-term temptations and desires to achieve long-term goals. I feel like even though they say they're different, they still have to both be present in order for either of them to work. Yeah, they got to they work together or something like well, Or like willpower might work without self-discipline, but that's the guy that comes in, gets 24 days and then goes back out every time. Like right. he can do the willpower for a short for amount a, of time. Yeah, for once or twice, yeah. right? But can't sustain it. Yeah, self-discipline sounds more self like sustainable sustaining it yeah yeah so this other uh website there we, go. we just sustained we willpower right. that's self-discipline <laughs> done done all right see y'all next <laughs> like, week <laughs> uh so another another separation that i found was willpower is a rather sudden and momentary burst of focused energy whereas self-discipline is structured well thought out and consistent so willpower in the moment is more tangible and seemingly more powerful, but the reality would be that self-discipline dwarfs willpower because it's a long-term event, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that falls more in line with what you were saying, like willpower is a piece needed for self-discipline. That's. I mean, it seems to fit into that for me. Yeah, I don't know. It's just such an interesting thing. But anyway, uh, I didn't I didn't get much past that because I couldn't figure out the fucking words and, <laughs> or the science. I, I do believe what I've looked up uh, kind of is in line with what I think is that self-discipline can't really be scientifically proven to be a thing. And they're not like the scales they've created to measure it. They've tried them again in different ways, and it basically doesn't work so they're like okay we're not measuring self-discipline anymore we don't know what this fucking measurement was we measured something <laughs> and it correlated with good outcomes in life because that's what they found originally was people who report having great self-discipline turn out to fucking get further in the way we look at social success hmm. yeah and I, I guess so now i'm trying to work through the whole like the the spiritual principle thing and how self-discipline fits into all that and i guess if i were to think of how I look at self-discipline 
you know, as a, as a principle or spiritual principle to live by. Like I go back to, okay, all these things for me are like tools that we have available to deal with life and life circumstances and situations, right? So if I'm angry, you know, obviously I can try to practice tolerance or patience mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, maybe kindness, whatever it is that I, I think might help me in that time of being caught up in my anger, or I can insult you or call you names or, you know, punch you. Like, those are all actions I can take to, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to figure out, all right, which one do I want to do in this moment? Um, I'm, I don't believe I'm, as a human being, we are just stuck doing whatever our first impulse is i mean my first impulse a lot of times is to want to hurt people you know Mm -hmm. just that's the first like you you made me mad you cut me off in traffic i want to take my car and bash it into the back of your car you know now i know like oh wait a minute we don't do that because we like our life and we like our car and there's consequences that come along with that so i guess that's a long way to get to that's how a lot of these principles apply as well like self-discipline what that means for me is when i'm in a moment of wanting to do something that goes against my morals and values i'm not just innately subject to whatever the inner voice in my head tells me i must do in that moment like i have some ability to not do a thing that's going to cause me harm or cause harm to someone else. And for anybody that wants to cause harm to someone else, make sure you back into them because you don't want to fuck your engine up. It's a lot <laughs> right, cheaper to fix. You can't get away. <laughs> yeah, right. You can you can fix the trunk way cheaper. It's just yeah. body work. So uh-huh. don't ever hit them with the front of your car. <laughs> just say. Um, so, yeah, I, and I buy into that. I, I guess the, the problem for me comes up with, you know, going back. I feel like we do this every fucking episode almost going back to the polyvagal theory episode right if we take the nervous system into account and the nervous system reaction triggers a memory from 20 years ago that you know about or don't know about and it hits your limbic system in your brain and sets off the survival alarms because the limbic system has no sense of time it doesn't know that you're an adult now and way bigger and can protect yourself and that shit's not the same anymore so it just reacts the same way just like it would for somebody who was in Vietnam and they're, you know, they hear a backfire and they're hiding between cars trying to duck bullets. Like it's that same thing. There's no time frame in the survival brain. So it doesn't know you're like 20 years later and that situation doesn't exist anymore. So it's triggered and it's going to do whatever it does because it doesn't have access to higher level thinking at that point. You don't have the ability to say, ah, I'm going to do self-discipline here and patience because those seem better. Yeah, I, I mean, I follow all that. I want to say somewhat because I agree with that. I would say, at least when I think of self-discipline, it's not typically in those type of survival skills. Like the guy that hears the backfire noise, you know, I'm not going to say, well, you just need more self-discipline. Like that would help you not react to that. Like, no, that's not. There's something different going on there. When I think of self-discipline, like say, it's usually things centered around self-gratification or instant gratification or self-fulfillment or, you know, doing things that I know aren't good for me or aren't good for my family or aren't good for maybe people around me. But then I'm doing them anyway because whatever motivation is there feels good. I need it that way. So I guess that's where I look at that a little differently. I don't typically put self discipline into this category of like a survival technique but i i feel like 
So when you describe the the car situation to me, somebody driving fast and, and recklessly and cutting me off throws me right into a survival anxiety right. fight or flight state, right? So I was picturing that one, I guess. But even yeah. even in a lot of these other ones that I think are day to day, where maybe we wouldn't say so much of a survival situation. For instance, the the lady in the red dress, right, that we see yeah. off to the side that makes us think about you know, possibly uh, leaving our spouse or, or, you know, going behind our spouse's back. Maybe that situation isn't creating a survival response in itself, but I feel like at least from the way I'm starting to view people more and more, I think people are spending 60, 70, 80, 90% of their day in survival response already. So if you're already there, how much better does the girl in the red dress look as a relieving coping skill? You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's not so much like, is this triggering the survival state that's going to make me do it? But it's more, I don't have access to this more mature part of my brain anyway throughout most of my day because I'm just reacting to everything through survival. Yeah, and that's, I, I would think for myself, that's why this concept of self-discipline comes up later in the steps mm. because I've hopefully done a lot of work to address a lot of my character defects. Hopefully I've done, you know, fourth and fifth step to deal with some of my history and, and some of my past, you know, harms and traumas. I've done an eighth and ninth step. So hopefully I've looked at some harms that I've caused, hopefully dealt with some of my guilt and shame. You know, so I agree with you that that's where a lot of people are. I would also agree that's why we lack so much self-discipline in our, you know, day-to-day -day living yeah. is that we haven't sort of worked up to that skill. Mm. Um, like I say that, that reading really made the most sense to me is like self-discipline is a culmination of a bunch of other things. I've already done a bunch of work to figure out, all right, what are my morals and values? Maybe my physical health is important to me. So I have some decisions that I can make then if my physical health is important to me. But if I don't give a shit about my physical health, then I don't care what I eat. I don't care what kind of exercise I do. I don't care how many cigarettes I smoke, you know, because I have I don't have that concept or, or that value built into me yet. And that process of step work has led me to figure out, okay, these are some of my values. These are some of the things I want to do in my life. This is the kind of person I want to be. You know, I want to be a committed husband. I want to be a committed father. I want to, you know, be a, have a nice stable family and home life. That means I'm home a lot. I give up opportunities to go hang out with friends or date other women or, you know, spend my money in Las Vegas gambling <laughs> on sports. Like, you know, so right. it, I've decided like, OK, these are my values. So I'm not just going to act on whatever impulse or, or desire calls me at the moment. I guess a lot of what I do in here is trying to take my new or newer understandings of what I've learned through schooling to do therapy, what I've learned through the process of going to trainings for therapy, what I learned through just interacting with fucking 25 people each <laughs> right. week and like trying to learn more about them. I'm trying to take these ideas that I feel like are, are pretty researched or at least, you know, longstanding ideas that have worked in the therapy field and apply them to the 12 step recovery model and see if it holds up. I guess that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do a lot of times on this gotcha. show. Okay. Um, and what it feels like for me. So I'm thinking of like, well, what has helped me? So in that survival brain, 
God, I feel like I'm going 12 different places. Sorry. So ADHD, right? There's a belief that there's a part of the brain, the orbital frontal cortex, which has something to do with you seeing, but also in your, your ability to switch between what's important or priority in your life. So in people with ADHD, the research says that it doesn't mature the normal way it would. We're assuming that's because of not a stable family environment, right? The ACEs that we talked about on that one episode. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's genetic. Who knows? Right. But either way, the idea is their part of the brain, the orbital frontal cortex, doesn't have the ability to do what most of ours does. Right. So normally, like if you were sitting here, honestly, you're taking in the way your pants feel against your legs, the way your socks and shoes feel against your feet. Like you can if you sit and think, you can probably feel your shoulders, uh, your shirt like hanging on your shoulders like you can feel all these things. But the orbital frontal cortex is the piece that says that's not relevant for what you're doing right now. You can ignore it. And for ADHD people, it doesn't have that ability to do that. It just goes with whatever looks shiny and fun in the moment. Right. And so thinking about that, I guess one of the things that can help to mature, obviously stable, safe environment is part of what we need just to grow healthily, right? Even as an adult, when we're trying to heal, we need this stable, safe environment and we need a way to start practicing having our body be uncomfortable in ways it hadn't before, right? Not extremely uncomfortable. We we don't want to go out to the, the extremes where we're being traumatized again, but just a little, right? We want to slowly increase what they call the window of tolerance. And so meditation would be a practice that would do this. And I'm picturing the 12-step process is probably a process that can possibly assist in this getting to a calmer level brain that doesn't need to react to these triggering responses you're talking about or doesn't need to react in ways we used to. So you can think through to the end, like I want the stable family home. I'm not going to do these things in the interim that will mess that up. But what I'm wondering right now is, is the 12-step model a model that can work and just happens to for some people, kind of like a a treatment for cancer, just happens to sort of work for some DNA people and not other DNA people. And and maybe that's what it is. It's not that the 12 steps necessarily can't help you in that process of calming your body and getting there, but maybe, you know, and and the research of how many people it's effective for is so fucking crazy. It's somewhere between three and 50% or whatever. (laughs) But maybe those three and 50% that it's working for, maybe we're holding it and kind of lording it over other people like god damn it you just got to do it like we did and not respecting like oh this only works for a percentage of people like other people got to do it differently or their body will never be in that calm state to be able to do these other things so that's kind of fascinating for me i was gonna say yes that there's a lot there and a couple things with the addiction in general i think a lot of people that end up in addiction have other mental health issues yeah. along with that for, I don't know, I want to say a large majority, but for for some of them have never even really been addressed. I mean, to be honest, I've never really been to like a therapist. I mean, I've been to a therapist recently. It's mm-hmm. been the first time I've ever went to like a individual therapist. I've been to some therapist at counseling like or at treatment but mm-hmm. never like a long-term relationship with a therapist or a psychiatrist to actually be diagnosed with any mental health condition right. so i probably could have a mental health condition i don't fucking know um never spent the time to bother to learn <laughs> and i imagine that's most addicts you know what i mean like i did a bunch of drugs i stopped doing drugs i go to this 12-step thing and now that's all i need it's like i'm good well i mean in in 
general, this is so much better than that that it's hard to think there's better. Right. <laughs> right. Like, uh, who would know? But so there are going to be some people that just because of their mental disabilities or, or whatever mental condition they may have, just don't have the ability to do some of these things. Mm. The other issue. Can I respond to that one first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I guess I look at that different. So when we talk about like co-occurring disease or, or, you know, dual addicted or any of those kind of ideas, like I don't picture addiction being this separate thing. Like, Oh, Billy, you've got addiction and anxiety or you've got substance use disorder and anxiety i the way i picture it in my head is oh you got some fucked up feelings in your body whether that's anxiety whatever we want to call it and you used because of that so i yeah. i would say every person that's had a problem with problematic drug use has something yeah because i don't see you I using agree. it if yeah not. I, I guess i was thinking more from the like you use the adhd example right. like some people like there's some chemistry going mm. on in their brains that's not where it needs to be and that's the 12 steps are not going to fix that you know right. what i mean like, like if you're, you're lacking need, dopamine or something right you're going to okay. need to see some sort of professional yes whether it's okay. to be on medication or some sort of additional trauma therapy or whatever like the 12 steps are never going to fix that Right. For that. We're on the same page now. Yeah. Okay. What was okay, your second yeah. thought? <laughs> the other thing is that the the twelve step process is very and I forget the word, but it's all like self driven. Like it's only the information that I put into that work is only as as deep as I want to go or, or as able much to. as yeah, you know, or able to. And that's a good example. You know, even for me, someone who's been around 20 years and been through the steps, you know, and been through the steps with other people, you know, multiple mm -hmm. people. There's still things now. I'm going back through the process now, and I'm still writing things in my current fourth step that are similar, like resentments with people that I thought that I had worked with, that I thought that I was okay with, mm. that are still like relevant in my life now as I gain new information, learn new stuff about myself. As we both we both started listening to the same audio book about trauma <laughs> right. and that's effects. And so it's like, oh, my gosh, like I have some lingering effects from some of this traumatic stuff that happened to me as a kid. And what I've done up to this point has been like, yep, that shit happened. I'm good. Let's roll. And I haven't really addressed some of that stuff. Right. I imagine and not that I want to minimize my own trauma, but I imagine if people's trauma is severe enough or they haven't went just deep enough to deal with it the 12 step process isn't going to keep them from feeling that pain and going back you know making using an appealing choice I right mean, i've always looked at it as it can work for anyone mm. but maybe not by itself for one some right. other people may need some additional things and and everybody could probably benefit from additional things to be honest and it won't work for everyone you know it can mm. but it won't for for some for different reasons it, it's almost and I, and I actually love the way you pointed all that out because i feel like i spent a lot of my recovery not acknowledging that other people might have it worse have had more trauma have had a more a larger reaction to that trauma like i it was always this comparison of i did this 
you can just do that. Why the fuck aren't you? Right. And never like this belief that like, oh, maybe that's too much yeah. for your fucking nervous system, right? Maybe it was all right for mine and it's not for yours. Or so in general, like yeah, the twelve steps. It's a it's a well laid out plan for self reflection. Like it's a great tool for that. But if you can't feel safe in your body, it's not going to fucking matter. Right. And, and that's kind of what I just yeah. heard you saying. And I think that's absolutely accurate. Like it's, it's not anything bad about the 12 steps. It's just, it might have more limitations than I've ever previously been willing to right. see. And, or and I think to. that's, you know, tying back into the self-discipline. Like I think self-discipline is almost the same thing. Like if I am just so much in pain or, or so like suffering all the time, given in to impulses is that's just what I'm going to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm yeah. just, I'm going to be like, man, fuck it. Like, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but it feels good now. And that's what I need for this moment or I'm just going to fucking kill myself. Yes. You know? So I don't know what episode we talked about it on, but I, I remember uh, sharing with you that idea of like the thought experiment of thinking through when suicide seemed like a rational choice. And it's mm. that same idea. Like, if your body feels, you know, I hate to use the word good and bad, but it's just the easiest ones right. that people get. If you feel fucking bad inside all the time, pretty much, you're going to seek relief in whatever way possible. Anything right. that brings joy, right? And I have people tell me this. They're like, look, food is the only fucking joy I get in my day. And, yeah. and they weigh a lot. And they're like, I want to lose weight, but how the fuck do I give up the only thing that feels good? And I'm like, I'm not here to tell you to because right. I get it. <laughs> like, that's the last thing we want to yeah. do is stress your body. Or I think back to even having, you know, a couple of young kids. I mean, my kids are adults now and I sort of joke with people, but it's it's true. Like the amount of freedom that I have in my life now just because my kids are 20, mm. 18 and 14 and they can like – make their own food and they do their own laundry and they take care of their own rooms and they right. get to events they need to get to like all of a sudden that has unlocked a whole bunch of capabilities for me because I don't have those demands. You know, I hate to use the word demands. I mean, they're my kids. I brought them here. Yeah, yeah. Responsibilities. But it's like, I have all those other responsibilities just taking all my resources mm -hmm. so i don't have the resources to get up at five o'clock and go to the gym but now i do because i don't have all those resources being spent so hey yeah fuck it i can get up and go to the gym right <laughs> so there are those things too like we have to look at our life situation and what what's going on around us and try to work some of that out this episode has been brought to you in part by voices of hope inc a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I didn't come up. Usually we kind of have a, a sort of list of like the pitfalls of not having this spiritual principle or the dangers that exist in your life when you don't have it and the benefits of having it and the practices of getting to it. Like, because mostly because I couldn't figure out this whole self-discipline, <laughs> you know, uh, willpower, self-control idea. I couldn't get to it. Yeah. But I mean, obviously I think that the drawback is obvious. Like if you can't stop yourself from doing shit that doesn't work out well for you, yeah. like, that's pretty evident how that's not going to work for your life. Well, and even a basic question to sort of look at and ask yourself is, you know, what do you think the drawbacks would be if you didn't live by your own morals and values? You know, mm. what – because those are all – those aren't uh, superficial things to me. Those are a lot of the reasons why I sought recovery in the first place is like by not living in accordance with my own morals and values, I didn't like myself. You right. know what I mean? I didn't like the person that I was. I had no self-worth. I had no, you know, self-respect. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, was lost because I thought, you know, I had something inside of me telling me I wanted to be one way, but then the life I was living and my actions were a different way. Mm -hmm. And so the only way I could reconcile that was just to be high all the time because I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And, to me, like that's kind of a lack of self-discipline. It's like I have to figure out, all right, what are my morals and values? What are the person that I want to be? And then let's try to, you know, put some things in place to get there. So I remember when I, you know, said, hey, what do you think about doing a spiritual principle every month next year? <laughs> and, and in my head, I had this idea that that was going to be like, oh, man, we're going to tell people actual like legitimate concrete ways to practice these to get better and i feel like we have had next to zero ways to actually practice many of these i, I feel like you disagree because you've probably given a way to practice it each time and i'm like <laughs> i don't know if i believe that <laughs> i guess i've looked at it as what is the benefit of trying to practice them because like okay so when you talk about self-discipline like i don't know that there's a oh a way specifically for me to improve my self-discipline other than to say, hey, look, my physical health is important. I'm getting to be older. I don't like getting up in the morning and like my back hurts and my fucking mm -hmm. that's what motivated me to go to the gym. Through the process of recovery, I've learned like, hey, you have a problem. What do you want to do about it? Like, do you, do you want to do nothing? Because that's the thing I could say, well, that's just a part of getting older and that's who I am and Mm -hmm. Or I could say, no, I want to change some things about myself and, and try to be different. And then once I can make those decisions, then I can start to practice self-discipline. But even in the practicing of it, like I'm not perfect all the time. Like mm -hmm. I don't make it to the gym every day. You know, I make it probably at least four days a week, some weeks, five days a week. But, you know, it's like it's it's better than having none. Right. <laughs> like, I, I think listening to you so far on this episode like if i was to say well how does billy practice self-discipline i would be like well he probably 
practices patience and tolerance and some of the other ones you mentioned. I'm like, it almost felt like when you were talking about those earlier that self-discipline was like a, a byproduct, not really one that we went in full force ready to do. Not like I need to get more self-discipline. It was like, let me practice these other things. And then self-discipline was the almost unintended result. I mean, it might be intended, but... Yeah, sometimes it's intentional. I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, this is a thing I want to do. I can go into it going, I know it's going to take some some commitment, you know. Right. Some, but for me, that's the way all the principles, like they all work together. You know, it's like these couple over here and these couple over here, you know, help me to do this or that. It's, you know, figuring out like as a as a parent, I just don't go, well, I can just love and that makes me a good parent. Like, no, it takes some other things too. Mm. It does take some patience and some kindness and maybe a little tolerance, you know. Like, I wanted to argue that so bad, but I think I agree. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the way a lot like self-discipline, like it's not just like I can't practice it by itself in a vacuum. I mean, I can, I guess, but I probably will struggle with it and it probably won't have as much meaning if I'm not really concrete on the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing or if I don't have well-established morals and values to tell me what I want to do. I'm like the Beatles said all we needed was love, Billy. It's enough. <laughs> it's enough, God damn it. No. It's a foundation. It's like right. building a house or, you know, building a pyramid. Like you build these other pieces in place in the beginning of our recovery. Like we just just stop using drugs. That's what I heard. Just stop fucking using drugs. Come to some of these meetings. You'll figure it out. And that's the basis of self-discipline. I mean, that's the that's the first thing. All right, just don't get high no matter what. That's self-discipline. Like I want to get high. It fucking feels good. I think I won't today. Mm. That's And it starts there. And then as we build up and build up and build up, we start realizing, oh, wait, you mean I don't have to gamble away all my money? You know, I don't have to cheat on my relationships. I don't have to do these. No, you can practice not doing what feels good. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, that's so hard, especially when, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> when it feels so bad internally. Yeah. But that's why it does, you know, that's why we don't say, you know, and I, I I mean, I've heard at least in 12 step meetings, people don't recommend that you come in and change a bunch of stuff all at once, you know, don't come in and quit smoking cigarettes and start trying to eat well and start trying to do 20 things, you know, hmm. you get overwhelmed. I feel like I'm failing at self-discipline because my goddamn knee and my lower back hurt and I have not, I made a commitment on vacation this summer. I was like, I'm going home. I'm making them doctor's appointments. I'm like getting the shit looked at. <laughs> Nope, I yeah. It's weird that th like I still struggle with self-discipline. None of these are things that I'm perfect at by any stretch. Fucking coffee and caffeine is mm. my nemesis for any kind of self-discipline that I have. I like to get up early. I like to get up at five, you know, every morning so that I can fit in my other stuff in my morning routine. I will drink coffee after like six, six thirty. And I know it doesn't keep me from falling asleep, but and I don't know what the fuck it is. I will drink coffee and then I'll go to bed at my normal time, like 10 o'clock. And then at like one o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I'm like wide awake. Mm. I'm like, oh, is it time to get up? And then I look at the clock. I'm like, fuck. The coffee nap. I know that's going to happen. Yeah. I could, I mean, I could tell you it's, it's going to happen. And yet Wednesday night at my home group, I'm going to get there and be like, 
man, fuck it. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll deal with it. You know, I, I usually get through it anyway. I go and, back to and, sleep eventually. Yeah, eventually I go back to sleep and Thursdays aren't that. And then like Thursday, because my home group's on Wednesday, Thursday every week, I'm like, why the fuck did I do this again? And it's all just, I want that cup of coffee. I want it. And I just haven't been able to reconcile that, you know, and it's something little and stupid, but it's like knowing that I shouldn't do it, knowing that it. <laughs> Because what happens is then the next day I'm like irritable at work and I'm fucking short with my coworkers and, you know, I'm not the person that I want to be in my life. Causes me to be somebody I don't like. Hmm. So tell me this one. Okay. So I got a similar problem, but it's a little different. Uh, The last two nights I've had to get up early for different events. One recording this. Yesterday it was my son's soccer game. And knowing I had to get up early, I said, I'm really going to make sure I get to bed at a good time tonight. And I did. I mean, I was like laying in my bed before 10 o'clock both nights. And yet both nights, because I went to bed so early, instead of getting up with my alarm at 630, I've been up at five or 515. <laughs> and I'm like, this is because I went to bed so early. So I was like almost too responsible for You're myself. Right. And I don't know what to do with that. Like sometimes I can go back to bed. Other days I just get up and I'm like, fuck it. I got extra time to myself. And it doesn't seem to negatively impact me too much, but I'm like, I wanted to sleep the whole eight hours. That was the point of going to bed eight hours before I got up. Right. So what do you like? How do I fix that? Like, is that a lack of self-discipline? Do I, it is in a way, but so <laughs> there's, and there's a bunch of nerdy information on this oh, weird podcast I like called the Huberman Lab. He's like a neuroscientist mm-hmm. from, I think, Stanford or Harvard or anyway. And they go into the real neuroscience behind a lot of that stuff. And sleep is one that he spends a lot of times talk a lot about sleep and our patterns of sleep. And like if you want to. If you have a late night on Saturdays and Sundays, there's like a, almost like a protocol that you need to do for Monday to get yourself back into your circadian <laughs> rhythm. And it's all the sciencey nerdy shit like that you would probably love because <laughs> it's all based in, you know, your brain shit and how your brain reacts to stuff. I would but, be so locked into like, oh, I have to eat carrots at 7.58 on Sundays <laughs> right. to make this work. Like, I would get so yeah. black and white but about it. But it's all, you know, like you're your circadian rhythm is a thing that is likes to be consistent. It likes <sighs> consistency. It wants you to go to sleep at the same time and get up at the same time. And if you start trying to monkey that around, it, <sighs> it throws it off. Like it doesn't know what to do. So it's either going to try to get up at the same time or it's going to try to, you know, well, that thing is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> stupid brain. Right. If I give myself eight hours to sleep, I should get all goddamn eight <laughs> yeah. hours of it. That was the point of being responsible. It was to Well, and then there's all the weird. You could suck down some melatonin or make sure you shut out every light in the room. <laughs> but me, it's TV. I Like, I'll sit up at, at night. I don't watch a lot of TV, but usually it's like by the end of the night, I get in bed, I'll turn on the TV. And usually I look for a sporting event. And if there's no sporting event, I'll watch something else, you know, that I don't have to think much about. But I have found certain shows I have to avoid because I will get locked into them. Like I'll get engaged in Mm -hmm. them and then I don't want to go to sleep and then I'll stay up way past my bedtime. Whereas other shows that like I got to watch stuff that doesn't interest me all that much so that when it's time to go to sleep, I'll go to sleep. And that draw to keep watching. What do you what do you watch that doesn't interest you that much? Um, So I will watch a lot of those like murder shows of like. Uh, one that, and it's kind of fun, but it's like, I don't mind turning it off and going to sleep. It's like, 
uh, scariest neighbor or something like huh. that, where it's like neighbors that get into feuds and then murder each other. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of those, like, I'll watch home renovation shows late at night. Well, that's a little more wholesome for your bedtime yeah. viewing, at least. <laughs> well, that's that's actually why I was like, oh, these murder shows probably are not good right before I go to sleep. Right. Like, there's got to be something there that, you know, is not good. Because it was serial killers for a while, and then it was, like, the murder shows. and mm-hmm. But the, if they're too interesting, like those like the 48 hours or some of those date lines and stuff like that, those, they, they build up to like a climactic, you know, ending. Those keep me engaged and I'll stay up too late. Hmm. So I can't watch that kind of shit. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, I don't have that. I have my phone. Phone's a problem, but not, I'm oh, looking yeah, at memes like and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's what I mean. Like I've, learned like i learned some things about myself and i pay attention and be like oh what's causing me to get out of you know what things do i struggle with self-discipline on or what things are are causing me to to struggle here and then i decide whether i want to do something about it and sometimes i still watch dateline and stay up too late (laughs) or drink coffee late at night so i i did find this one article that i liked and it had a, a pretty interesting paragraph or two about self-discipline. And I, I thought maybe this would be relevant to share. So uh, the person said their definition of willpower and self-control is when we believe there is an external plan, diet, or eating approach that is the right way to eat. And all we have to do is have the will and self-control to follow the rules, and then we will be good. We believe the plan is over there, right? Not something that we know or intuitively can figure out. It's like, oh, there's the plan. I can look at it. I just need to go follow that, right? Um, It says it invites us to disconnect with ourselves, our lifestyle, our experience, and our inner knowing. Instead of using our inner wisdom as a path to help guide us to the goal, we abandon ourselves and then wonder why we can't will or control ourselves enough to get to the goal. It's like you are constantly fighting against yourself and you're never going to win. And I love this idea of self-discipline. I like that a lot. Um, She went in a little further and said, for me, self-discipline is a process of getting to know yourself and your truths and then practicing becoming the kind of person who honors and lives that truth. And I feel like that's the most relevant self-discipline information that I could find. And it, it makes me think of a practice that I really try to do with the people I see, which is we try to get to the the basis of like being more aware of when you think should or the idea of should. So the human brain does this in a lot of different ways. We have, you know, we'll be sitting on a couch and we might think to ourselves, I should be doing the dishes. I should be doing the laundry or I need to be doing the laundry. Why am I sitting here doing nothing like a lazy ass or I have to be doing the laundry. So like need, have, and should are usually these words that come to our thoughts They're usually critical about what we're not accomplishing or how we could be accomplishing something better, right? And and it leads me back to this idea of counter will. And I don't know that many of us in our society, everyday people know about this, but like counter will is a thing that comes up in our bodies when somebody's telling us we have to do something. Even if it's something you want to do, you immediately have counter will. And what I kind of believe, I guess, is that as we get older, instead of these external forces having as much counter will come up in us, it's our own self. It's our own self with all these shoulds, have tos and needs, because that is the external plan that someone programmed into us. So we've got like this societal and parental 
external plan that was given to us of what we're supposed to be doing. And then we have what we feel we're really supposed to be doing. And the counter will comes up because we don't want to follow somebody else's plan. Even though it's coming from our thoughts, it's all other people's shit. And that makes it impossible to have self-discipline because we instantly go to counter will. So when we're telling ourselves, I should be eating better, I should be eating better all day and shaming ourselves, counter will pops up and we eat like shit at night. And so like this paragraph that I'm reading from this individual, this makes total sense to me because when you can stop shooting yourself to death, right, you eliminate the counter will and have more of the ability to just do what you wanted to do in the situation to begin with instead of having all these forces behind the scenes like battling it out about whether you're going to have the resources to yeah that's where i think it's important you know at least for like for me it came from the 12 steps but the work we do on ourselves and our growth that we figure out what's important because like say i don't always want to do the dishes either but i don't should myself into doing the dishes i'm like well it's nicer when they're done and it mm -hmm. feels better so like i know the motivations behind why i'm doing what i'm doing i'm not just doing it out of some should or some guilt or whatever else right the other thing that's given me a lot of breaks for myself in like that idea is that people are all very different like we're, we're not the same you know which is exactly why the 12 steps work for some people great and they're this amazing thing and some people it's not and some people don't even get why it works at all but you know we we're all a little different in what motivates us you know how physically what our physical things are so like when you talked about diet well those diets in general work for some people but other people like their metabolism is very different the amount of caloric intake they need is very different for different reasons you know, going to the gym. When I first started going to the gym, I was like, man, I'm going to get big and like, you know, I'm never going to, I mean, I could maybe get big. I'd have to eat like two dozen eggs every day and probably steroids. three fucking steaks. <laughs> yeah, I could take steroids. I'm not doing that. But, you know, after a little, and when I first started going in there, I was like, yeah, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to try to get jacked and fuck start lifting heavy stuff. My shoulder starts hurting. Mm. I start, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, calm down. Like, that's right. just not. Like, that's not really you. And the truth is, that isn't even really what I want to do. The reasons I was going there was for health and whatever else. But then I'm like, well, I'm gone. You know, I'm going to get these big shoulders and shit. And then I, I had to get, like, realistic right. about what, you know, my goals could be. Like, and and then once I was more realistic about what my goals could be, that made the self-discipline more easy. If I was just going in there like, oh, I'm going to get jacked. And then in six months when I wasn't, you know, my arms weren't two times wider, I'd want to give the fuck up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, I quit. This isn't working. I've tried, you know, I tried and it's not working. And it's like, I have to be realistic about what my expectations are, what my motivations are, and just try to get in touch with me to figure out those things. No. And I, I, I love that, uh, it's not an analogy because you actually lived it, but yeah, that example, right. I guess, of that, because that's exactly it. And it makes me picture all the times where someone stood in front of me and said, hey, uh, I'm in this program, I'm doing this, and yet my life's not getting better. And I'm like, oh, well, you're not working the steps. You know, and they're like, well, I don't want to work the steps. And I'm like, well, that's what you need to do. Right. Like <laughs> right. that's that same thing that's going to produce counter will in them. Right. Like that's not going to ever get them any closer. So I'm picturing the 12 step fellowship environment and like that's exactly what the fuck we tell people. You have to work the steps, live the steps or die. Like it's all these fucking ways that you have to, you need to. It's the answer. 
And that's not going to work for somebody that no. doesn't want to. That's actually going to push them further the yeah. fuck away from doing it. And that's why as members, I mean, we should focus on that. If you look at what the literature says, it's like we share our experience, strength, and hope. You know, we share what works for us. You know, it's it's not about lecturing people about what they right. fucking need to do. I never was good at that, you know. The courts told me what I needed to do. My parents told me what yeah. I needed to do. The cops wanted to tell. And I was like, well, I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. <laughs> well, I feel like we forget that, though, because it says right in one of our opening readings, this is a program like that wants to know what you want to do about your problem and how yeah. we can help. And yet then we come in, everybody comes in and we tell them what to do about right, their problem. What they should be doing. Right. And I guess that's like. I feel like that is the culture of 12 step and I feel like it's counterproductive to the goal we're trying to accomplish, which is to get people to want to work the 12 steps because yeah. that's, it's attraction, not promotion. And I right. would say that comes not just for coming to a meeting. It's the attraction of, Hey, that guy's working steps and look how his life looks different. I want something like that. Not the promotion of you need to work the fucking steps. Cause that's how this program works. Right. I don't know, though, but we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, hopefully, like, at least for myself, I think, like, I've grown and changed and try to be better in my approach to some of that now. Um, I used to want to, you know, shame people that have been around forever and hadn't worked steps. Now I'm like, hey, you've been here seven years and you're still here. That's good. It's better than the alternative. Okay. You know? So you walk into a meeting, and I, and I don't know how this is different up here in Cecil County versus Baltimore, or, you know, 2022 versus 2015. But if you walk into a meeting and there's a hundred members there, how many would you say are probably more of the opinion that we need, like people just need to work the fucking steps and, and not necessarily kind of like you, where it's more like, Hey, do what's good for your life. I hate to say, I, it feels like people don't work the steps near as much as they used to now. It feels hmm, way that's less. Interesting. Cause I feel like, at least 70 people out of that hundred are saying more of the style of like what I'm criticizing. Like y'all just need to work the fucking steps. That's the solution. That's so I, I guess what's and this isn't to get too off of your question, but what's baffling to me is people will say all the time, I work the program, but they're not working steps. Mm. And I'm like, well, the program is the steps. Like right. that's what it is. There's some other things with it, you know, right. abstinence and all this other stuff, but there's, that's a big part of it too you know. mm. but anyway um no I, I think that's the general attitude consensus like if you were right. to take a consensus and what's and maybe this gets into your counter will thing but probably most of the people that aren't actively working steps and even ones that don't have sponsors will still tell you that's what they should be doing or that's right. what you know like, right so i would agree people would say that but who's actually doing it's hmm like who's actually telling people they need to work the steps or something like that yeah it's just more of the underlying belief system. Yeah, and I don't get out as like much as I used as harmful, to. I, and, I, of course, I don't usually pay attention. I mean, I don't say I don't pay attention to that that much. But usually when I go and I'm not looking for that, like who's <laughs> telling people what they should do and who's the obviously overbearing people stand we out. We should but. hit a couple meetings together and, like, go in and tally. Like, keep track of how <laughs> right. many. Oh, they just expressed you have right. to work the steps. Oh, they just expressed it again. Like, because I, I think you're right. Like, I would not even say that 70 people out of that 100 were actually actively working steps. Right. But 70 out of 100 are going to give that Tell idea you, you at least. Yeah. Right. Like, that's the way this works, whether it's about you or themselves. 
That's yeah, I crazy. probably hear more. I should be working steps right now than you should be working. Steps, right, you know? right. More people. I know what I should be doing, but you know, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess I wonder how much of that I should be doing is actually what's keeping them from being able to do it. I feel like we need to get rid lack of lack self discipline. <laughs> right, but you can't have self discipline <laughs> when you got everybody else's ideas of how you need to live in there. And so I guess if so. We both like this idea of self-discipline as getting in tune with yourself yes. and then doing that on purpose. And I've actually heard that in recovery before. I, somebody said uh, the purpose of recovery is to figure out who you are and do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Yeah, I, I never really understood it till today, actually, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like if we believe that, so how do you increase your ability to know yourself? If that's the true answer to finding more self-discipline is figuring out what you actually want because it's easier to follow when it's what you want versus what everybody else has told you. How do we get there? On uh, the 12-step fellowship, we believe it's <laughs> steps one through seven. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't get me there, God damn it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think that can be helpful for yeah. sure. No, I mean, writing down our patterns, our, our cycles. I mean, that's part of what we're looking for in therapy, right? Trying to establish like these patterns of action that aren't serving us well. Yeah, and just self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's amazing. Like, I feel like I'm so good at self-awareness on in certain areas of my life and like more intellectual things. I'm terrible at it with emotional stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm like emotionally, I'm not very, you know, intelligent at all. And it, so, you know, but I, now I'm learning that about myself and the awareness part comes in like the, you know, guy I'm talking to was saying like, well, what, you know, think about when you go to eat something that you really like and you look forward to eating it. Like how physically does that make you feel? I'm paying mm-hmm. attention to those physical changes, but it's, yeah, just paying attention to what my body's telling me or how I feel about certain things to try to get in touch with emotions. Somebody was telling me the other day about the theory of the eight forms of intelligence, and they were going into some of them. Like there's the the one we all celebrate, like the logical, mathematical form of intelligence. But then there's all these other forms of like emotional intelligence. There's uh, spatial intelligence, mm. intrapersonal, interpersonal. There was yeah. uh, obviously eight of them. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I was like, damn, we don't ever think of these in ways of like, you know, when you say that person's stupid, you're not like evaluating their whole person. Right. And if they know anything about anything. They can be very emotionally intelligent, right. super sensitive, you know, right. a great listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they can't do math, so they're dumb. Maybe they're great <laughs> at interior design and just can right. tell how a room Spatial comes together. Right. Yeah, but like... You know, maybe they can't divide 48 by four or something in their head. And, we and just I, that. yeah, that's definitely, I think, a cultural problem. But, yeah. but I, I think it does also, it's another piece of what gets in the way, right? If we're looking to match up to the world in this logical mathematical intelligence, we're actually ignoring the gifts we have in some other area where we do have like an innate or intuitive way of just being because we understand things in ways other people don't. So it's, I guess really for me, the process of self-discipline is really about just reevaluating my whole life. It's like starting from the bottom and saying, is this truly something I want or is this what my parents in the world gave me? And that's hard to fucking get to because a lot of that is deep yeah and it comes in your own voice in your own head so. oh yeah for sure yeah and you know that's where for me you know staying engaged in the process of recovery has continued to help you know but mm-hmm. for some people it's therapy for different people they get that you know maybe from a church family or a pastor or something 
you know, we, but it's important that we have those people that we can engage with that are going to encourage us to, to keep growing and keep looking at ourselves and right. keep figuring out who we are. Cause that shit changes too. You know, oh, yeah, it's time. a moving target. Yeah. What I want and what I think I want out of my life, you know, change over time. Yeah, I don't want all the same shit I wanted at 25. No. Not by far. Right. Some of it still. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some of it's the same. Well, it's okay. So if it's about figuring ourselves out, how would I say to do that? I do think the 12 steps are a great form of self-reflection. And, and you know, it's almost like journaling about different events in your life yeah. in, in different ways. So I think that's a very useful tool. I think therapy is a really useful tool for self-exploration and figuring out who you are. Um, if you can't afford therapy or it's just not something you're, you're interested in, there's like self-help workbooks or like, you know, now there's fucking so many different like trauma workbooks or processing trauma or dealing with depression. And for me, just, I mean, the audio books that I've listened to in the last probably two to three years, you know, just the amount of like self-awareness I've gained just from listening to these audio books has been amazing audiobooks definitely podcasts another one that I mean, has you some could good read information. a book too but oh, who's yeah, got yeah. fucking time for that <laughs> fucking reading <laughs> i mean unless you discover that reading is part of what's good for your life <laughs> like, fuck all that noise no but yeah i i think there are these ways and i think maybe uh, the last piece i would say is the the regular practice of these things right whether yes. it's journaling steps therapy a workbook a, a podcast, an audiobook, like if you're doing this regularly, whatever that means for your life, three times a week, once a week, whatever, I think it just keeps our brain in that mode of like, like you said, when you pray, right? The whole idea of like, oh, I'm raising awareness around it. So I catch it right. more often during my week. And I think the regular practice helps with that. Well, and I don't know about for you, but for me, like audiobooks in my head usually go this way. So I'll listen to a new book. Let's say, let's say I can sound intelligent and say I've read a new book, I've read a new book. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that's the end. Like, oh, this is exactly how I'm going to live my whole life. I've just figured out exactly what I needed. Just got to take my mouth shut. This is going to be it. Yeah, right. I'm great now. And then like two or three months in, like I've done, forgot half of what was in that oh, book. Yeah. I'm or trying more. to convince myself I need to listen to it again. And that I've done, forgot all the important shit. And then I find a new book and it's the next new. <laughs> it's got all the answers. It just fixed everything that I needed. And yes. then three months later, I don't forgot half of what's in that book. But in that process, there's been two or three like really important gems of stuff that I've taken that have contributed, you know, to the whole or maybe built on other ideas because mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of similarly based books, you know, on self-help and compassion and, you know, living right. healthy, hopefully. I'm not listening to like Wolves of Wall Street books <laughs> there, you know, <laughs> how to conquer the stock market, you know, fuck that stuff. Um, no romance novels? No, nah, no romance novels. She's seductively novels. laid back on her back <laughs> on the beach chair. <laughs> but it's like this, just continuing in the process, I guess, is where I was going with that. Right. It's like it's just important that I keep moving forward and that, you know, I take those one or two nuggets and I just keep rolling forward a little at a time. Well, and I, and I think it is a, a rolling sort of avalanche building kind of process for some people, right? And I think this is true for me and you, like we are really, really interested in being the best people we can possibly be or, in, you know, striving for like these relationships that we really want in our lives. And it's just whatever it is, it's worth and, and captures our interest to continue this journey of self-awareness. Like I've yeah. yet to get to a point where I'm like, oh, 
this is fucking good. I'm healthy <laughs> enough. Like, I don't need to do it anymore. Right. Like, I'm always want, and maybe that is the, you know, what people say, like the addict mentality or whatever. What the yeah. fuck ever? I want more growth. I want more healing. I want more connection and love in my life. And I, and I do feel like the closer I've gotten to knowing me or the true me or whatever we want to call that, the better I feel and the more my life looks exactly like I want it to. Yeah, I would agree. I agree. All right. So. Fucking self-discipline your ass into listening to this <laughs> podcast every week and uh, have a good week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.